0: Paul is clear in 2 Corinthians 3, our epistle reading for today, that we are not sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. And the reason that is, is because we are, as the other readings talk about, and as Paul talks about in a somewhat more ambiguous way, we are blind. Or as Isaiah says it in a little more ambiguous terms, we look into a gloom and darkness a gloom being obscurity where things are kind of mixed up and you can't really see clearly what's in front of you and paul talks about it this way by talking about two kinds of glory that you could look at the first glory is the glory of the old covenant the glory of moses the glory of the law the glory that shone from moses face himself when he talked to God on the mountain, received the stone tablets and came down from the mountain and his face shone with the glory of God and the Israelites could not look at it. They were too blind, too much in their own gloom, too much in their own darkness of sin that they simply could not behold it. This is an effect of sin that you cannot fully behold the glory of God. This is why God establishes the temple, establishes the tabernacle, establishes the whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament is because an unholy people could not dwell with a holy God. They could not stand next to his glory. You can remember the other story about God's glory and Moses in the Old Testament, that even Moses himself could not look directly at God's glory. God had to turn his back and pass behind the mountain. Moses could only barely see that glory, but he could not behold all of it because even Moses was infected with this kind of spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness affects all of us. It affected the man in Mark 7, who was also physically blind, or physically mute and physically deaf, not physically blind, But spiritual blindness, and you can also think of these other senses too, spiritual deafness, spiritual muteness, it affects all of us. These spiritual realities are real. It is easy to look at that man in Mark 7 and to think, well, he's physically deaf, he's physically mute, but how does that really relate to us how does that really relate to us who are not physically these things well our spiritual realities our spiritual deafness our spiritual blindness and our spiritual muteness they are real too just as real as the physical deafness and the physical muteness you can think about some of the ways in which they are tangibly real think about blindness for instance We are blind to things that are real because of our sin. We are blind to being able to see things that we know by faith. We are blind to be able to see the angels that are in this room with us right now guarding over us. We are blind to be able to see the demons, devils, who have their darts of temptation pointed at us every day. But they are there. We are blind to be able to see How often God protects us, how often he sends us his mercy, how often he shows his love for us in a multitude of ways, but we are blind to it. We are also spiritually deaf. We struggle to hear God's clear voice whenever we pray to him and ask him for answers. We struggle to hear the words of forgiveness that he speaks to us when we repent sometimes, And conversely, we can also struggle to hear the good guidance in God's law when he teaches us from his word. We struggle to hear things that are oh so very real, but yet we are spiritually, at least somewhat spiritually deaf and spiritually mute too. We know the things we should confess before our neighbor. We know who we should invite to church, and yet we struggle to do so. Spiritual blindness, spiritual muteness, spiritual deafness, it affects us all, and it is very real. And that is why every time the Bible speaks of deafness, blindness, and muteness, it is real for us and applicable to us. And that brings us to the text that I actually want to preach on today, Isaiah 29. Isaiah 29 gives a prophecy of hope a prophecy of hope. But to give a little context, to rewind a little bit, at the beginning of Isaiah 29, not what we read today, but you can go back and read it later. At the beginning of Isaiah 29, Isaiah gives a woe to the people. The whole section in Isaiah is a woe to the people of Jerusalem, a woe to God's people, a woe because they are a rebellious people. A woe because they are a people infected like we are by spiritual blindness, deafness, and muteness. They are a people who struggle to hear the words of the prophets and respond appropriately to them. They are a people who are in gloom and darkness because they are surrounded by these pagan nations who they have become so intertwined with that they have a whole cacophony of God's Maybe Yahweh's one of them, maybe he's not. They can't really keep it all straight because it's obscure. It's gloomy and it's dark, and they can't see the direction in which they should go. They are spiritually mute. They cannot confess the truth before the pagan nations, before the prophets in the temple. They cannot confess the truth that they know they should confess. And for this kind of people, for the kind of guy in Mark 7 who struggles with these things in a more clear way, but also for you who have these realities of deafness, blindness, and muteness, Isaiah gives this prophecy of hope. And the prophecy boils down to this The Lord renews his people. He renews his people specifically by restoring these senses. He restores the ears. He restores and renews the eyes. And he restores and renews the mouth. He gives us ears to hear, eyes to see, and tongues to proclaim. You can think about how Jesus says over and over in the Gospels, He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus wants to give you ears. He wants to heal you like he did the man in Mark 7. He wants to cause you to speak plainly. And I want to tell you today that at this renewing and this restoring and this wonderful, amazing prophecy of hope that Isaiah gives in chapter 29, it happens, I think, in three ways or at three different times in three different contexts, you could say. The first one is that it happens when Jesus comes. As you can look at Mark 7 and see, as Isaiah prophesies, the deaf see, the eyes of the blind are open and the mute can talk. When Jesus is going around to all these regions, he's going in and out of Gentile regions, in and out of Jewish regions, he's going from Tyre to Sidon to the Sea of Galilee to the Decapolis, he's going to all these places, he is fulfilling this prophecy. He can't help as he goes this to these places to restore creation, to make right what has been made wrong, as we said, by sin. So that when someone who has a speech impediment, when someone who is blind, when someone who has leprosy comes up to him, he has to heal them. And you get the sense as you read through the gospels, sometimes he's a little tired of it. He doesn't always want to do so. He says, sigh, be open. That's He says he sighs and just kind of lets it happen. And oftentimes he's trying to go off by himself to pray when someone pulls him aside to make them heal someone. But he does it anyway because he can't help but do what is in his nature, and that is to restore creation. But what is more amazing about this ministry of Jesus that fulfills this prophecy is that that's not even the main point. At the end of Mark 7 reading today, He says, don't tell anyone about this. Don't tell anyone. It's not the main point. And why does he say that? It's because he's got something even better in mind. He's not just going to restore this person here and this person there and that person in the Decapolis. He's going to restore all of creation. And that that happens in his ministry, not just in his healing ministry, but by his death and by his resurrection. Because in those things, he gets to the root of the problem. As the hymn said, restore our mortal blindness. And that comes, as we said, from our sin. Our sin spread to us by Adam. Our sin lived out by us. Our sin, which causes us to intertwine with the pagan world around us and to get all gloomed up in our eyesight, our sin which causes us to be hesitant to speak the truth of the gospel before our neighbor, our sin which causes us to not be able to hear the words clearly given to us by the word, which is so clear. He dies for that sin. He dies for each and every one of your sins that have ever caused you any sensory problems in this way. He takes care of the root of the problem. And that brings us to the next way this prophecy is fulfilled. And that is for you specifically when you grasp these things that Jesus has done for you by faith. You may not remember when you came to faith. Maybe you were a baby. In fact, this would be the best thing for you. And you were baptized and you've been raised in that faith ever since then. And you don't even remember what it was like not to be a Christian. Praise be to God. It's always better that way. But maybe you came to faith later in life. Maybe you fell away from the faith for a little and came back later. I don't know each and every one of your stories. But I do know this, that outside of faith, prior to faith, That is where the real deafness and the real blindness and the real muteness exist. Prior to faith, it is not possible for you to hear the correction of the Lord's word, the rebuke of the Lord's word, the comfort of the Lord's word, the guidance of the Lord's word. It is not possible for you to hear any of those things. You think it's just silly nonsense. The word of the cross is folly to the Gentiles and a stumbling block to the Jews. It doesn't make any sense outside of faith. But then in faith, those words on the page, those words spoken from a pulpit, those words spoken by a brother in the faith, they are alive words. They are powerful words. They are words that can do things like rebuke, correct, comfort, and guide. They are amazing words. Prior to faith, outside of faith, you look at these things in this building. You look up there and you just see bread and wine on a table. You look over there and you just see water in a bowl. What does it mean to you? It doesn't mean anything. But then in faith you see, your eyes are open to see amazing things. The body and blood of your Lord poured out for the forgiveness of your sins, saving water, drowning an old man in you daily, rising again in repentance and faith to live a new life in Christ. You see amazing things you could never see before. Prior to faith, outside of faith, you are completely mute to speak the truth. You might have some worldly truth here or there, but not the truth that matters, not the truth that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved on the last day. Not that kind of truth you can't confess outside of faith, but in faith you have the words to speak even before kings and princes, even before those who would put you to death, but you will not die because you have the faith, the truth, the words that save. When you combine these two things together, The fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in Jesus. The fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in your faith in Jesus. As those things come to fruition, when those things come to fruition, Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in the most full and the most complete and the most perfect way on the last day. Isaiah says... In that day, verse 18, in that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book. Out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. In that day, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord when Jesus is drawing near to gather up his faithful, to complete finally and fully his mission to seek and to save the lost. The day when Jesus will come again And he will raise your body from the dead. And he will reunite your body with your soul, if it's in the grave. Or if it's not, he will gather you up to himself right then and there. I hope it happens soon. That day, in that day, this prophecy will be fulfilled. In that day, every physical ailment that you have, whether it be physical blindness, physical deafness, physical muteness, whether it be some form of cancer, whether it be COVID, whether it be any kind of physical ailment, heart problems, any of those things, it will be fully and finally healed. Your body will be restored, made glorious. Glorious like the angels. You won't be an angel. You'll be a human. But Paul says your body will be as glorious as the angels. And in that day, On that day, you will hear like you've never been able to hear before. You can hear me say these words now. You can hear yourself read those words from your Bible, whether silently in your head or out loud to your children. You can hear the words now, but wait till you hear them then. Wait till from the mouth of your Lord, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. Wait until in that day, you will be able to see like you've never seen before. In that day you will see the angels that have been guarding and protecting you this entire time on earth. In that day you will see Satan and his demons fall like fire, cast down into the pits of hell to rot there forever, never to tempt you again or shoot their darts at you. In that day you will see the new heavens and the new earth. A restored creation better than that of Eden, a restored creation for you to live in forever forever. Uh, at the heavenly city, you will see the streets lined with gold and you will see your king sitting on the throne and you will see all the vain rulers of this old creation bowing down before him because he is the one who reigns forever and ever. You will see like you've never seen before in that day. And on that day, your mouth will be opened and you will sing the song that we try and sing here in a modest way every church service. This is the feast of victory for our Lord, and it sounds really nice when we do it here, but wait until that day. Wait until that day when you are with all the angels and with you, when you are with all the believers from every nation and from every tribe, and you are singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive blessing and honor and glory and power, blessing and honor and glory and power and blessing be to him, who sits on the throne, who reigns forever and forever. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. This is the feast of victory for our Lord. And that day it will be brought to fruition. And so may that day come soon. May this prophecy be fulfilled as it was in the time of Jesus, as it is in your life of faith now. But may it be fulfilled even more fully on that day. We are not sufficient to bring it about on our Selves, but He will bring it for us, and He will renew His people, for He has given you ears to hear, eyes to see, and a mouth to speak. Amen.